today on Laura Lynn and Friends. I have concrete evidence from Congress that they can confirm that Zelensky has over a hundred million he has already stashed offshore. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the last days. Is it the apocalypse or not quite time for that? I don't know. Are we going to have uh, some kind of great, tremendous world nuclear war or is that just all fear-mongering? We don't know. Who can tell us? Maybe, maybe Martin uh, Armstrong's machine can tell us. That would be pretty incredible. Uh, we have um, Armstrong... Uh, Mr. Armstrong with us today, and he's one of our favorite guests because he seems to know what's going on in the world. Uh, if you've ever watched um, his career, he tends to predict some things that are happening, and of course, he's always willing to talk to us about the money, and the money is really, really important. Of course, I always open my dad's Bible every single day to see uh, what my dad decided was important to underline, because before he passed away, I would see him reading this great book, and with red and blue pen, he's, you know, he's just underlined all kinds of things that he thought were important. So what does he say here? Um, it says... Um, this is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth, and this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who shall annul, disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Uh, I like that. I think it means that God's the boss, not anybody else. Um, not Russia, not the Ukraine, not the United States of America. Who will press back God's hand? So we are going to invite um, Martin Armstrong onto the show. I absolutely love this man. I love following everything that he's doing because it's always so very, very interesting. So thank you, Mr. Armstrong, for being with us. I'm getting feedback the whole time here. Um, is it good? Uh, Mr. Armstrong, thank you for being with us. Uh, we hear that uh, there's a whole lot of crazy stuff going on with our money these days. Well, pretty much, yes. I mean, uh, honestly, uh, it is all tied into this uh, talk of war and things of this nature. Uh, the, the biggest problem is in Europe, where they lowered interest rates to negative in 2014, and they've only just started to raise it a little bit. And, you know, they, they don't understand how to run the economy at all. I mean, what they did was that they had like pension funds that had to be, depending upon where you were, anywhere between 70 to 90% had to be invested in government bonds. And then you took interest rates to negative, and most of the pension funds in Europe are completely bankrupt. Uh, I mean, it, it's just, honestly, I think the Three Stooges could have done a better job. But, <laughs> uh, and it, this is more or less why they're beating the war drums they they really think that first of all they they won't get a nuclear war uh, but they want to be able to create some sort of a conventional war and that will be their excuse to default on their on their government debts and they want to create another brenton woods like after world war ii and redesign the monetary system, and this is how they want to do it. Um, I, I think they're completely insane, actually. But uh, 
they're they don't understand. I think that uh, the the level of disrespect they have uh, placed on Russia is, is just unbelievable. I mean, just today, um, I, you know, I had people there at the International Criminal Court, and and most of the lawyers, except for one, who was the, actually the prosecutor of at the Nuremberg trials, he's the only one who disagreed. But they were all like, "Oh, we should, you know, charge Putin with criminal, you know, a war criminal things." When you do things like this, uh, how do you then negotiate peace? I mean, it, it's you don't. I mean, and plus, besides these people, um, it's right in their charter: no head of state can be charged with war crimes. Period. And, and besides that, Russia and the United States never signed that treaty, so there's no jurisdiction anyhow. So again, it's more propaganda and uh, like pounding your, their chest and trying to pretend that they're important for some reason. But, you know, in, in really the 40 years I've been dealing with governments, you know, from Asia to Europe, I mean, everywhere, Middle East. I have never seen a crop of world leaders as incompetent as we have today. Uh, every president before of the United States always sought world peace. I mean, Biden is talking about Armageddon, uh, nuclear war, and and we got to eliminate, you know, Putin. I mean, it's just completely crazy. Um, I mean, I'd like to see, you know, possibly, you know, Henry Kissinger, but he's, he's 99 right now. But I mean, uh, uh, I'd love to have him come down to our conference in November. I, you know, I don't know if he really could or not. But uh, what Henry said was that every president has called him uh, since Nixon, except for Biden. Um, what does this say? I mean, the, that all we have is warmongering from people. I mean, there is not a single world leader that I, I can see that is even interested in talking about peace. It, it's just, it's mind boggling, really. You but know, it, yesterday, it's to cover up the, the, the economic problems. Yesterday, we showed a clip of <clears throat> a bunch of uh, people that voted for OAC, you know, to, to get into the um, the government down there in the United States of America. And now she's becoming like a fear uh, warmonger as well. And they're saying, what's going on? Why are you pushing us into nuclear war? This seems to be what everyone's doing. And that's why, um, you know, it looks like the, the one Democrat from Hawaii, she's giving up on the Democrat Party, it seems. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think that they're seriously deranged. Um, they think that they can uh, trump up war and that it won't go nuclear. And in all honesty, what this is about is the climate change people. I mean, they have gone completely nuts, really. I don't know if you saw today that... Uh, cameramen were there and they threw tomato sauce on on the van gogh and saying oh stop we do oil. have that clip actually uh 
Well, when, you know, I've done painting myself, you use linseed oil. It's not, it's not fossil fuels. I mean, I don't, I don't even understand what they're doing, but in my opinion, the, the cameraman should have been arrested as well. I mean, uh, they wouldn't have done it unless they were all, all getting on TV. Uh, it, it's, it's absurd, but, um, you know, Russia, 50% of its GDP is the production of uh, fossil fuels. So, you know, what are we looking at? They really want to conquer Russia, to destroy its economy, all for climate change. So you're willing to risk nuclear war for this climate change nonsense. Um, it, it, I mean, it's just mind boggling, really. Uh, I think it's pretty well confirmed that you have um, the U.S. did blow up that pipeline. Um, and I mean, you had a lot of fake news. Oh, you know, Putin did it. You know, but you know, he could have just turned the valve. And first of all, he said, you know, I'll turn off the gas unless you lift the, the sanctions. So why would he blow up the pipeline? He no longer has that that Trump card or the ace in the hole. I mean, it's just absurd to, to hear this. Um, and you get all the mainstream media saying, oh, yeah, he blew up. No, he did not blow up his own pipeline. That's absurd. Uh, and it, I mean, in the very day, next day, you have Blanking come out and said, oh, this is an extraordinary opportunity. And then he goes, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't have said that, huh? Uh, but the the opportunity is to cut off the energy production of Russia. That is also why Obama tried to, to go into Syria. It was all about a pipeline for, from uh, Qatar through Syria to compete with Russia. And that's why he said, no, I'm not going to allow the pipeline through. Then all of a sudden, oh, we should invade him. He's abusing his children, his people. It was all nonsense. It was all about a pipeline. Uh, and that was to undermine Russia. This is what this has always been about. Um, I mean, you can Google. Even Politico did an article on uh, John McCain and showed that he hated Russia even before Putin. So it doesn't really matter who's the head. Uh, you know, the same arguments come out and, you know, Putin's had over 20 years. He has not tried to resurrect the USSR. Uh, I am coming out with a book. I got all the, uh, the declassified documents from the Clinton administration and they all confirm that the reason Putin's even there is because on the one side, the communists who did want to resurrect the USSR had filed an impeachment motion to try and get rid of Yeltsin and the oligarchs were trying to blackmail with the Bank of New York. So Yeltsin was stuck in between the two and he turned to Putin who was not politically affiliated and he wasn't an oligarch. And that's why the people supported him. I mean, he had over 75% approval rating at the time. Um, it was... So for John McCain to come out and say, oh, he wanted to resurrect the USSR, I have the security documents that have been declassified. He read them at the same time. So he was actually lying. Uh, 
Uh, it's just simple as that. I mean, why are these people always trying to create wars? I mean, um, there's just a bunch of neocons and they're and not just in America, but there's also neocons on every side. Like I said, the hardline, you know, communists in Russia uh, and you know, it'd be nice if we could just take them all, put them in a room and, and let them fight it out. You know, But uh, unfortunately, they always want to send us into battle. And the, and the only thing a soldier can hope for is to come back in one piece and that his family and his home is still intact. That's it. What else does a soldier get out of it? Nothing. The only person that benefits is always politicians. That's it. Um uh, there isn't one war that has ever benefited, really. Uh, you know, when you're talking about something like Hitler who, like, invaded, that's one thing. I mean, but even this nonsense about, um, oh, Putin is, you know, try to conquer Ukraine. He did not. Uh, I mean, that's what he's being criticized about back home. He went in to, to take the Donbass, which is mostly uh, about 90% Russians to begin with. But... If he wanted to really conquer Ukraine, the first thing you do is you go in and you take out the power grid. Then you take out the communications. Then you take out the water supply. He didn't do any of that. We did that to Ukraine. I mean, I mean to Iraq. Um, and all this climate change nonsense is highly dangerous. Uh, you know, can. You know, I'm not even sure that Putin needs to do nuclear weapons against Europe. All he has to do is take out a, a few of their power systems and, and they're completely dark. That's it. Um, and if you want to talk about putting all cars on electric and all digital currency, you take out the power grid and what's everybody going to do? Wow. You can't buy anything. You can't leave your house. Um I mean, it, it, to me, it's just extremely dangerous. I mean, because that's the first thing you, you learn in military tactics, you know. Um, and, but that's really what's going on. It's, and and it's what would be their propaganda. point? Yeah, what, what is their point of doing this? I mean, even uh, Governor Newsom, you know, telling everybody that, um, you know, that they have to prepare to get their electric cars, but they can't even run their air conditioning uh, correctly right now. What, why are they pushing for this? What is it really behind all of this in your I estimation? think a lot of it is stupidity, honestly. Um, I mean, the most conservative, uh, you know, estimate that I saw, if everybody got electric cars, the power grid would have to be four times greater than what it is today. Others are, are talking about anywhere between 10 to 12 times greater. Uh, you know, it's... You know, there is no climate emergency. They, all they do is they use the data from 1850 forward. That's it. They don't want to address the, the fact that there's been ice ages and how did we ever warm up back then if people weren't driving SUVs? You know, um, you know, John Adams even talked about that in, in the mid-1600s going into the American Revolution, uh, that was the bottom of the Little Ice Age. And John Adams said that they couldn't even grow food because the ground was frozen two feet deep. 
uh, George Washington lost a tremendous amount of his army, not to uh, war, but to the cold at Valley Forge. Uh, it was very, very cold. And they want to say, oh, the 1850s is normal and everything since then is, is industrial revolution. I mean, you want us to go back to the Ice Age? I mean, I, 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 you know, it just doesn't make any sense. And I think somebody just come up with some of this nonsense and, and people don't, I don't know, they, they just don't look at things and, and do any independent research themselves. They just take whatever they say. Do you think that Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset and the the United Nations and the the, the Global Agenda 2030 uh, that this is playing into it and that really it's a form of control against populations? Yes, I mean, the, actually, the guy that did the movie on me, the forecaster, he also did the movie on on Schwab, the forum. Um, and we've been going back and forth against each other since we started our first World Economic Conference in 1985. He started his World Economic Forum in 1987. So, I mean, the two of us have been back and forth, um, you know, for, for a very, very long time. Uh, Klaus is an academic and he and academics tend to be more enamored with Marx than anybody else. And they they want to change the economy and make it run the way they think it should. And there is a this theory of a one world government. Uh, and this idea that if you have one government, you end wars. And you can go to my site at, you know, armstrongeconomics.com and just put in Google it. Uh, I put on a clip there from uh, the, the former French president Holland with Merkel and he stood up there in parliament and said the reason for the EU is that one government and will end European war. And this is the same theory that they always present. And this is the, the argument why the UN should be in charge of climate change globally and everybody surrender their sovereignty. It's the same theory that, you know, one government and that will end war and it will not. Uh, I mean, yes, there was one government with the Roman Empire. How many times were there, you know, civil wars? Um, you know, it, it's just nonsense that these people come up with. And they're just theories. And there's no precedent in history that shows that they're ever right. So do you, uh, we keep hearing that the inflation and the dollar and printing money upon money um, I wanted to play a clip of your friend. Uh, he's now passed Milton Friedman and get your feedback on the difference between what he was talking about and what we're seeing now. I'll show it to you. Mm -hmm. Inflation is made in Washington because only Washington can create money. And any other attribution of, to other groups of inflation is wrong. Consumers don't produce it. Producers don't produce it. The trade unions don't produce it. Foreign sheiks don't produce it. Oil imports don't produce it. What produces it is too much government spending and too much government creation of money and nothing else. Too much government creation of money and nothing else. Uh, what's the difference between 
uh, an era he was speaking of and what we're going through? Well, the difference is primarily that this time it's based upon shortages rather than just excessive speculation. Um, back then in, in the 70s, we had just abandoned the, the gold standard in 1971. And so that was more of a confidence level uh, issue that, you know, oh, the money's going to be backed, etc. And uh, the what Milton was really talking about was the whole Bretton Woods idea of a gold standard just didn't work. The, the main reason is because they fix it. All right. So it was always supposed to be $35. Sounds nice. But if you then keep printing money, then you're increasing the supply of money versus the amount of gold that's there. So that creates the inflation. What we have this time is quite different. It's we have a lot of people that um, because of COVID and the, the insane lockdowns that they did, we the net outcome of this was that there was an awful lot of shortages. I mean, I got, you know, farmers having to plow under their, you know, potato crops. They couldn't get them to market. Another one had sent me an email. He had to kill 30,000 chickens because he couldn't get them to market. Um, you know, when you shut down all the, uh, effectively, the the <clears throat> transportation, then it's fine. We were locked down. We couldn't get in the house, but so were the truck drivers. So, I mean, I had ordered a, a refrigerator and then they said, oh, it's going to take at least nine months. I said, what's the problem? They said, well, the chips come from Thailand. <laughs> so um, this is is based upon shortages. It's not relative really to the money supply and it's not relative to interest rates. So the problem is, is that raising interest rates to stop inflation might work in a, in a uh, speculative type boom. But this is not. This is based upon shortages. So, I mean, I even I go to the, the supermarket and some days there's no there's no eggs. Next day, you know, OK, they're back in two or three days. Um, I've never seen that, you know, in my life, even in the 70s. So it's a different type of inflation that cannot be addressed with the central banks. Uh, and the, the printing of money at this stage in the game is much different. I mean, Milton and I became friends. He came... Um, actually at the end of the 70s to come listen to a speech that I gave in Chicago. And that's where we kind of met. And I was surprised when I was done, he came up and shook my hand. And he says, that was the best speech I ever heard. And um, he was, it was a speech that on foreign exchange. And then we, be, we became friends after that. Um, and I had realized that Milton explained that in 1953, he had written a, a piece on the floating exchange rate system, how the currency should float and not be fixed, and that that would provide the check and balance against governments. And when I was talking about capital flows and money rushing around, and he came to come listen to me, he says, this is what you're doing, what I just dreamed about. And that was back in 1953. <laughs> so, um, it, it, you know, we became good friends and that, that's basically it. So, I mean, 
Milton's uh, theory of monetary theory was based upon fixed exchange rates back then. Um, and that doesn't exist today. So in that sense, it's different. But it's also different from the standpoint that we're dealing with shortages rather than uh, speculative. So uh, you have Biden like blaming Putin, you know, oh, he's cutting off uh, the gasoline that makes the prices go up. So it's his fault. Well, you're waging war against them. (laughs) Right. But didn't Biden call Saudi Arabia and ask if they would um, maintain some stoppage of the oil or something until after the election i mean that came out on tucker carlson last night some and that seems really like i thought trump got in a whole lot of trouble you know because they said he made some call uh which never panned out to be anything of a problem but here's biden looking like he's actually trying to affect an election by calling another world leader oh yeah now is is what's going on in washington is is it is basically just total corruption out of control. Um, Trump's idea was to, in making America great, his idea was that we should be energy independent and to eliminate any uh, dependence upon the Middle East. And here you have Biden taking the exact opposite. Oh, we have to shut down, you know, fossil fuels. And when gasoline prices start going higher, then he turns to the Middle East and said, would you please produce more because I shut it down here in the United States? I mean, uh, I mean, it's it, it's really kind of I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just completely brain dead. You know, I just got uh, I just got something that Theo Fleury has put up, and Theo Fleury's kind of a an, a Canadian hero, um, formerly a hockey player, and uh, he says, "Well, looky here, breaking: U.S. special forces have arrested U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine, Bridget Ann Brink, on charges of high treason. U.S. Cyber Command has discovered she has been hand." delivering enormous amounts of cash directly to Ukrainian officials on behalf of the Biden administration, speaking of corruption. But, wow. I mean, I, I mean, Ukraine, I know very well. Um, <clears throat> I've had, you know, direct contacts on both sides in the Donbass as well as Kiev. It is the most corrupt country acknowledged by the IMF in Europe, probably in the entire world. I would not believe a single thing that they ever say. Uh, Everything is propaganda. Uh, It's it's come out that Malaysian flight that was shot down, they did it. And they tried to blame, you know, Russia for it. Everything they do um, that... You know, oh, killing all the civilians and the Russians did that. They did it. Uh, you know, there are video clips it, that the NATO has proving it was Ukraine that shot their own people to try and blame Russia. I mean, you, you don't understand. Ukraine is one of the most corrupt places in the world. Um, it, it's just off the charts. Can. 
the way that um, the leader of the Ukraine, you know, says, and what we need now is, you know, five more billion for this and that and that, like everybody's supposed to be helping him. What about our country? We're in a really big mess right now. And Biden is like, as long as it takes, we're going to be there as long as it takes. It's like, well, what is the criteria for when we know we're done helping this situation? Only when Russia falls, that's it. Um, this is a war, it's a proxy war to overthrow Russia. Uh, and it's not just Putin, they want to destroy the country. Um, it, it's just simply the way it is. And um, I have spoken, I mean, look, I have concrete evidence from Congress that they can confirm that Zelensky has over a hundred million he has already stashed offshore. Uh, there are other reports that put it at 850 million. All right, I'm, I'm telling you there's, I tell people all the time, do not send any money to Ukraine whatsoever. If you wanna help Ukrainian people, give it to the Red Cross or something like that. Don't give any money whatsoever to the government because it will never go to the people, ever. Oh, it's so sad. I mean, and this is what we're watching. So when when you're looking at our economy, I mean, are, are we getting out of this? Or Trump once said we're going to go into the worst possible uh, situation financially that we've ever seen. And we hope he's not right. And that, you know, but sometimes Trump just says stuff and it happens. And it's looking very disturbing right now. What do you think? Is, is this going to get a lot worse before it gets better? Or? Oh, yes. I mean, but you, you're, you're looking at uh, eventually what was going to happen when people realize that the problem is government and it's the governments that are moving to this into this default position. That's why they're just spending whatever they want. They know they're not going to pay anything back. All right. That's what Klaus Schwab is saying. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. He's trying to make it sound like he's doing this for you, that you'll be relieved of all your debt, your mortgages, everything else. Well, that's not the that's not the problem. The problem is government debt, but they can't default on it because out goes all your pension funds and everything else. So they're trying to make it sound like they're doing it for you. But the worst possible scenario is we're looking at a sovereign debt, debt default, and that's, you know, we're going to looking at Europe breaking up uh, a lot of places, you know, the tensions just rising and countries breaking up. I mean, this is because it's that this is exactly how Rome fell. It, it, they fall from internal uh, disputes. I mean, I mean, in the United States, the, the what the Biden administration has done is against every principle of civilization. Uh, he claimed to have a majority of only 1.3% and he's using that to absolutely decimate the other 50%. Uh, that's not what democracy is about. I mean, that's why Socrates and, and Plato, they hated democracy. They said it's just the way that a majority can oppress the, the minority. Um, it, it, things of this nature, even there in Canada, in my opinion, you know, no dramatic changes should be allowed without at least a two-thirds vote. Not, you know, 51.3. Uh, uh, I mean, this is absurd because eventually it creates uh, discord. I mean, 
I mean, in the United States, you're just, I mean, the people from California to me just look like they're from a foreign country anymore. <clears throat> I mean, it's just, I'm over in Florida and it's like, what are these people, nuts? Um, right. It, it's, it's you, you take how corrupt this is. I actually had the mandate from Hong Kong <clears throat> to try and buy land and I negotiated with uh, Australia. And at the time I met with um, Paul Keating, who eventually became, you know, the prime minister there. And um, I was trying to buy an island off, off you know, the coast of, of uh, Australia. No, denied. I said, okay, fine, let us come in and we'll take the, the, the northwest corner where there's nobody at. No, denied. And I said, look, I've got a, a checkbook here. I can pay off your national debt. No, not interested. And I finally just said, what is this? Is this racist? I, I, you know, I just did, couldn't understand why I couldn't get anything, you know, at all. And he said, no. He said, uh, <clears throat> if they allowed them to come in, they're fleeing communism. So they would vote conservative. And they were, and Paul Keating was labor. So they felt allowing Hong Kong to get into Australia would change the demographics politically and the labor government would lose. And this is what's going on right now. This is how things really take place behind the government, um, curtains that they keep up. From Ukraine, if you hopped on a plane and flew to New York and asked for asylum, you're denied. You're put on the plane and sent back. <clears throat> what Homeland Security just put out a memo that said, Okay, if Ukrainians come in through the Mexican border, all right, and are not vaccinated, okay, you can let them in like you're letting everybody else in. So, I mean, it's if you're European or Asian, you can't come in without a, a vaccination, all right? But if you're coming from South America and you'll vote Democrat, no problem. Come in, you could have the Black Plague. It's all right. Um, it, this is how it, it happens. It, it, decisions of, at this level, that's how corrupt they really are made. I mean, I've been with governments and tried to negotiate things and, and I've really gotten very disgusted over the years. When, I, when I, you begin to see things like this, like I said, with Australia, I was just like, why? What is this? At first I thought, you know, what was this racism or something? Um, you know, and no, it was just politics. 100%. So I just want to say that my uh, trusty producer here was looking up that last thing that I told you guys. And he says he thinks uh, Theo Fleury has put this up from a parody account. So let's not take any uh, serious thought to the uh, this person. Um, the U.S. Special Forces have arrested U.S. Ambassador to the U yeah, Ukraine. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't think Biden would, uh, would even allow that. Um, it was just wishful thinking. Uh, probably. Yeah, probably. So should people be investing right now? When you look at what's coming, your average family, they might have a mortgage uh, and they might have you know, maybe a few thousand in the bank. Uh, do, do you think they should try to get any monies 
um, into real estate, gold, silver? What what would you do? Would you be investing Probably in the going, stocks? I think we're still in a lot of um, pressure in the in the general economy until probably January. Um, the the U.S. elections are, are nobody, regardless of who wins, um, the other side's just not going to accept it. Uh, our computer's projecting massive civil unrest, you know, uh, next year, and I, I, I'm afraid that Ukraine's going to get even much worse, um, particularly right after November. I mean, it's... <clears throat> I would recommend that, you know, Trudeau had put in as of January 21 that he could cancel currency. Um, right. That is following Europe. All right. So the fact that he could do that, Sarah, well, we're canceling all the high denomination Canadian notes. Right. And the old, like $1,000 $1, exactly. notes, $500 notes, they're no longer of any value. Well, a thousand dollar note in the United States from 1934 is still valid. The U.S. has never canceled currency and Biden couldn't do that. All right. Um, but Canadians can? He the Yes, they passed the law that they can do it. So, I, you know, this is the way they do this things. So First, it was just to, to oh, we're going to cancel all the old currency. Well, that gives them the power to cancel the new currency as well. So I would just recommend that you keep, you know, a, a stash of some U.S. dollars in cash yep. um, on the side. The, the, the main reason the dollar is the reserve currency is simply because everybody else cancels their currencies. U.S. dollars, 70% of them actually circulate outside the United States. Um they're all over China. They're all over Russia. Um, even when I was in Greece uh, a couple years ago, you know, they knew I was American. They say, gee, if you pay an American in cash, we'll give you 10% off. <laughs> um, okay, fine. They've rather, they wanted the dollars back then rather than euro. Uh, so it, it's always been this uh, hedge against your own government sort of thing. Uh, and... Um, so the U.S. dollar will be the last to fall, not the first. Uh, the first to fall is definitely going to be Europe. Um, and and when it falls, when you say fall, uh, what does that mean? Like, what happens? It means basically you're looking at sovereign government debt defaults. Um, so they no longer honor their, their bonds, etc. That, that all happened in 1931 as well. Uh and you know you're you're looking at bond meltdowns uh, on a global scale more so than than you know the stock market. The stock market's been dragged down. You get this typical people saying, "Oh, higher interest rates, stocks down, whatever." But in all honesty, um, eventually, what will happen is that when <clears throat> probably sometime early next year, the people will begin to realize that the government is the problem. When they do that, then where do you put your money? Then you you are looking at tangible assets. You're looking at real estate, stocks, uh, precious metals, anything that's not government. Uh, when 
Germany defaulted with the, with the hyperinflation. The, the new currency they came out with, they didn't have any gold. They backed it with real estate in 1925. Um, and uh, talking to real estate agents down here in Florida, houses that are about a million and a half and up are selling for cash. People are not using mortgages for them. So it's just people just taking cash and getting it off the grid. Um, taking it out of banks and they'd rather have a house tangible than uh, they don't know what to do with the banks with if they go to digital currencies or things of this nature um, uh, you know Europe is just is really the the basket case of the world here uh, and that you're going to see that more or less as a contagion and <clears throat> To explain capital flows a little bit, the United States was bankrupt in 1896. That's when J.P. Morgan had to create a $100 million gold loan to bail out the U.S. Treasury. Then you had World War One. then you had World War II. By the end of World War II, the United States had 76% of the official world gold reserves. That's why the dollar became the reserve currency. All right, so we went from an emerging market to uh, the top of the world, and that was because of World War One and Two. I mean, if you got tanks running around blowing up your local banks, are you going to leave your money there? Uh, everything just came, and every boat, plane they could possibly get to, and it went to the United States. Somebody also went to Canada as well. But we benefited in North America from World War One and Two. And we don't have any gold, I don't think, anymore. Like, we've sold ours off to China. But um, uh, our our Canadian dollar is $0.62. Cents. So if, if we want to go to the bank and buy American dollars right now, um, it's our dollar is worth $0.62. Cents. I mean, no, I know. It's, it's so uh, shocking. Look at the British pound. It's, it's fallen, you know, dramatically almost back to 1985 levels. Um, this is the confidence in government. It's just <clears throat> collapsing. And um, although Biden is, is you know, the, the poster child for, you know, um, <clears throat> senile, senile leaders, uh, the United States still is the largest economy and it has the biggest places for people to, to park money. Uh, and that's really the only thing that they're looking at. So eventually <clears throat> you will see, you know, sometimes it's the private sector that collapses and everybody inflates the quality and they buy the government bonds. This time it's the government that's in trouble. So they will, they're going to sell, they're selling the bonds and they're fleeing to um, all the private sector. Uh, that's why you see the NASDAQ going down more percentage wise than the Dow Jones. The Dow Jones tends to be more used by major institutions, whereas the NASDAQ tends to be more retail. Well, uh, I mean, in Canada, our serious situation, the, the debt servicing that we are paying is more than the national defense budget um, in, in our country. So we're just so messed up. I. What do you think about tr our Trudeau and the way he's running things when you look at it? Uh, he just, you know, calls uh, Klaus Schwab and asks him, how high should I jump? That's about it. Um, right. right. Uh, look, these are, are 
Schwab's deliberate idea is simply to default on the debt. Um, you know, uh, that's been his proposal for a number of years. And that's why these governments are just spending whatever they want now. They don't care. There's no fiscal responsibility anywhere you go um, because they know they don't have to pay it back. So as you see in the United States that the interest rates are going up, so it's softening the markets now, inflation's you know, up pretty high. Do you think this is going to cause... Uh, something similar to what's happened in the past, like I think it was 2008, where there was quite a reduction in, you know, housing um, costs that the, the market will fall a bit or a lot. Well, the market is, is, is soft a little bit, yes. But no, it's not like 2008. 2008 was where the real estate was rigged itself. Um, so we don't have that problem anymore. Uh, and it's it's just a bit different and and from many other respects um i mean each one of these events is not always the same yes the market goes down we got a recession and it's almost on timing almost every eight years or so uh, but it doesn't mean that it, the events are exactly the same uh, so what you'll see is more of a a flight uh, the quality this time will be the private sector. Uh, so the mortgage-backed security problem was um, the banks putting all these mortgages together and right, CDOs and leveraging, and, and it was, that was just a, a total nightmare. Right, right, it was. But we don't well, have that problem now. Do you, do you think, though, that those families that kind of, they got in on the low interest rate, Um, and I think you're you're still going to see um, housing outside the cities doing better because uh, you still have flights from, uh, for example, people fleeing California, they're fleeing New York City, Chicago. So you you still have the move towards suburbium, uh, so to speak. So. Uh, if you're looking at real estate in the in the core cities, that will still be soft to declining. 
because uh, taxes are going up, uh, crime levels are going up, etc. But they will move more towards the, the suburbs, which will be, uh, so you see housing still holding up there and in and, and some places, you know, actually rising. Um, but I, I did have a friend who put his house up for sale and it just sold in seven days. So um, he's trying to move down to Florida. So he was, you know, he was doing okay. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it's this shift this time around from um, public assets to private. Uh, so it's kind of the opposite of the Great Depression, so to speak. Um, and uh, so people are going to be looking more at security from anything that's tangible. Because when we're looking at creating some sort of a new currency, which is really their end goal, um, then whatever the value of your house would then transfer into some new currency. And uh, usually its international value you know, is retained. So that's why I, I think we're, we're probably looking at um, going forward. I would be, you know, concerned you politically and watching civil unrest next year. Is as I said, I don't see the uh, U.S. Uh, wins. Uh, the other side is going to just not not accept it. Um, I mean, we're showing that probably the Republicans should uh, should win at the very least the House. Uh, but we're looking at uh, elections that are also going to be rigged every which way they possibly can. There's too much at stake for these people um, to allow it to flip. And um, that's my main concern, that we've gotten to the point that it, it, we, it's no longer about civilization and democracy. It's it's about it's my way or the highway. And that's pretty much it. And what about the midterms? Will those be uh, will those be rigged? Uh, so um, it, it's just you know I, I would just be very very well prepared for will next year. Will the midterms year. be rigged? Um, it looks like it's from January on is going to be quite. Um, Quite interesting. Well, thank you very much. I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, thank you very much. We well, do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yes, we'll have it's you on again. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you very much. So he's not able to hear me for some reason, and it just, you know, we're going actually over Skype uh, today. But um, we, I hope everyone can hear me. Just confirm that you can, if you can, on the things. Um, the this is what I think is that when this inflation thing hits, it always, you know, it gets to sort of the people that have put everything that they can into uh, into a mortgage or something like that. Well, suddenly the, you know, the interest rates go up and then that that could affect five to seven hundred dollars on their mortgage that they just didn't have that kind of, you know, leeway. And so we're going to begin seeing a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on. So the uh, Freedom Convoy hearing in Ottawa, there's a resident that was testifying that she told protesters to go uh, back where, um, where, yeah, well, it was a bad word. So do you want to run that? Moving on from uh, 
sort of your background with uh, working from home, uh, I understand that uh, you had the interactions with the protesters and you confronted them on Kent Street. Is that correct? Correct. Right. And when you confronted those protesters, do you remember saying to them, which was recorded, go back to where the f you were from? I may have said that. Okay. And I take it that you never saw any of the, or never said the commissioner saw any protesters or truckers physically harm anyone. Is that right? There was only the, um, I would describe it as Im intimidation with a truck. Okay. And you never said to the commission and nothing in uh, that regard with respect to uh, seeing protesters or truckers threatening to physically harm anyone either, did you? I did not make that statement. All right. And you didn't say to the commission or see anything in your observations that could be classified as espionage or sabotage? I'm sorry? You didn't see anything that could be classified as espionage or sabotage? Uh, no. Thank you. And you didn't say to the commission or uh, observe any of the protesters or truckers destroy or light a fire any buildings or anything like that? Not inside of any buildings, no, just outside. Outside. So you're saying that they were destroying the outside of buildings. I did right? not say that. I said they were lighting fires outside of buildings, as in the bonfires that were all over the city. Right. But they weren't trying to knock down any form of buildings or property or anything like that. I can't comment to their intentions. Well, I understand their intentions, but uh, I submit you didn't see them do anything like that. Nope. I just saw the fires, open fires. Great. And you didn't see them try to destroy any other trucks or vehicles or light them a fire or anything? I did not. Thank you. Well, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Uh, one person has reported that they saw people defecating um, in Ottawa. And I can tell you from being there for hours every single day when I was there uh, for those three weeks before uh, arriving, you know, right when everybody arrived to being there after everyone had left. Never saw that one time. And if it had happened, they would have cleaned that up in no time flat because I'll tell you what Ottawa had was the cleanest streets of all time. They had the homeless being fed better than they'd ever been fed in their lives because of all of the volunteers bringing food every single day down to feed everyone that was down there to support and care for the, the truckers. So it's going to be really interesting. I know that we got a word from... Um, Cody, who was down there today about what is happening. See if I can, um, uh, there was no, uh, one lady said it was like the purge. Uh, there was no laws being enforced and people could do whatever they wanted. So the cross-examination said, uh, so anyone could kill someone and that is okay. Uh, and then she started uh, to, to backtrack on what she was saying. All of this, this is, so hideous and I have so much good um so much good video from what I experienced there I've got it all on a separate drive now so that nobody can ever take it down and try to wipe away what actually happened with the true Canadian spirit suddenly erupting to life fighting like mad peacefully without guns peacefully fighting for our rights to bodily autonomy. That was really the crux of it, that that our government would not force thousands and thousands of people into these kinds of uh, things where they would lose their jobs if they didn't get the shot. You know, now 
I know that they're going to begin mandating, I think here in British Columbia is the third one that will be mandated. Like that's continuing. So we have a global news report that there are hundreds of COVID variants. So I wanted to show you what they're saying. Updated COVID-19 vaccines now available to most Canadians target the COVID subvariants still dominant here. But health experts are now warning the virus is changing. Mutations are happening at any time, in, you know, randomly in any part of the world. We see now that the new variants or subvariants that they are popping now, they are basically escaping the immune system. In Europe, the return to normal life has sparked the start of another wave. Seen as a marker for what North America can expect next, this U.S. expert is watching the climbing cases closely. This time, the picture is a bit muddled because the rise of cases doesn't seem to be associated with any one particular variant. You are seeing a rise in BA5, but you're seeing some of these new, I like to call them scrabble variants. Those variants have reached mutations in the hundreds. And while some die off without much concern, others have recently been added to a new watch list by the World Health Organization. In Canada, Omicron's BA5 makes up the majority. The BA5 more closely resembles the new Scrabble variants than the original lineage. So you're more likely to get protected if you're get, getting that new bivalent booster. Health Canada approved Pfizer's strain-specific shot Friday. This week, the company confirmed the vaccine generated a strong immune response, but it did not disclose the levels of antibodies. Moderna's bivalent booster has been approved since early September. Still, in the last six months, just 16% of Canadians have been boosted, leaving many prime doctors say to catch COVID again. The best policy is to get vaccinated even if you have infection. Advice that's only helpful if vaccines keep up with COVID year after year. Jamie Marocker, Global News. Right, so that's what it's all about. And some bivalent that this fellow was talking about was tested on what, eight mice? Um, so, and, and then, you know, halfway through the story, it's talking about how these will just disappear. I mean, the whole thing is fear-mongering, a whole lot of nonsense going on. So apparently Dr. Kieran Moore is saying that they might bring back the, the mask mandates. Is that just in Ontario? Let's have a listen. You'll hear me though, recommending if, if the risks uh, to the health sector gets uh, stronger, that we'll move from uh, you know, strong recommendations to mask in public spaces, in our school settings, our colleges and universities, uh, to, to stronger uh, messaging. Uh, if necessary, if there is a, any significant impact uh, on our health system where we can't care for Ontarians appropriately, I will absolutely have the conversation with government whether we have to mandate masking for a set period of time uh, to protect our health system. So that's our fallback because Ontarians know that masking has worked. <laughs> do they? <laughs> do Ontarians know that? Oh, I don't think they do. And I don't think that. Oh, okay. You want me to be careful what I'm saying? Yeah, we're on uh, lots of platforms today. So I'll just be a little bit careful, but you judge for yourself. What do y'all think? Eh? The mass might come back, right? After all that we've been through, after everything we've seen, this is where these guys are fascinating, right? Okay, so uh, uh, Dr. Daniel Nagase, um, very controversial doctor, but he recently discovered something that I think is really very, very interesting. 
um, regarding the criminal code about spreading misinformation and what was there and isn't there now. Take a listen. I happened to come across a 1954 version of the Canadian Criminal Code. And in that 1954 version, there was a crime for spreading false news. That was an actual crime in 1954. And then I came across a 2020 version of the Canadian Criminal Code, and I noticed that section was missing. So when was the crime of spreading false news removed from the Canadian Criminal Code? I did some more research. It was 2019. The spread of false news was removed from the Criminal Code of Canada by Parliament in 2019. So can we trust gov can we trust government? That's right. There's, you can't trust an entire government that steals your money, tells you you can't take an effective treatment, doesn't. And a government um, that clearly is allowing all of this false information. And okay, so you have a you have a still shot that we can put up here. Um, so another person who was reporting on the feed where this was being shown, Dr. Nagase's, uh, video, searched this Canada's 1954 criminal code and discovered a law on spreading misinformation, found this webpage has been archived. So it's been, uh, archived over to here and it says everyone who willfully publishes a statement tale or news that he knows is false and that causes or is likely to cause injury or mischief to a public interest is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term not exceeding two years so repealed in 2019 why would the government who loves to talk about misinformation? So help me understand this. You guys think with me because you're a lot smarter than I am. A government constantly trying to, uh, you know, get us pushed off the internet. Uh, Trudeau wants another bill to go in to come again to kind of regulate all of us private producers. Um, why would they strike a law? that that actually makes it an indictable offense to spread false information. Isn't that bizarre? I wonder why Prime Minister Trudeau wouldn't want it to be, a, you know, a chargeable offense that you're spreading false information. Unless there may be some information that y'all know is really false. And you want to make sure that that law is not on the records because I welcome, uh, I welcome anyone to challenge the information that I put out here every day because I try not to put out, except earlier I did mention that one false report that looks like it was a parody account. <laughs> I hope someone will get a hold of Theo Fleury and say, thanks, pal, <laughs> for that. Anyways, if I find out something's not real or true, I'll let everyone know about that. But every single day, the reason that I am on Facebook and not taken down 
I got taken down for a 30-day suspension, which is done in two days, but that's only because one of my guests made a comment they didn't like. But anything that I talk about, all the studies I quote, all of the data, the science behind what is happening in the world, it is backed up by peer-reviewed doctors and researchers. And the doctors that are putting out this information, they have the backup because these doctors have their reputations on the line. And so when I have them on this show, they know they're up against the college, you know, just was it yesterday or the day before we had, uh, you know, a doctor on uh, from Ontario. He's already, you know, being watched very carefully by the College of Physicians and Surgeons. So, you know, what he's saying is very, very vetted. But here's what's not vetted. Anything on CTV, CBC or Global, that's not vetted because they're continuing to be the sound pieces for the government who Dr. Teresa Tam, if there was, if that, if that law was on, still on the books and could be used, and I think it still should be, what would be able to be brought against Dr. Teresa Tam, Mr. and Mrs. Safe and Effective in our policy positions? Dr. Bonnie Henry, thank God Henshaw has been removed from her high place in Alberta. Thank God for Danielle Smith doing something that could have been done by Jason Kenney or any of the other premiers across our provinces who are cowards and have been cowards. Just left Canada in a terrible state. So section from 1954 criminal, oh, we showed that. Um, a video, Dearborn, uh, Michigan is this, parents protesting the school board about the books they are approving for their kids. Uh, we showed a webpage yesterday about them saying Muslims are the new right because of this very issue. Uh, is this the, is this the, the story in the video? This is really good. <laughs> we are on the same page. Take a look at this. We're coming every time until they take them off. We got the power. They have no morals or values. Guys, listen up. Listen up. Listen up. This is the best thing that could have happened. Because everybody on that board will not be voted for. Yeah. Yeah. single person. Listen. Say yes, Shabby. Listen, guys. They were going to cancel it. I told them. Keep the people who want to speak and the rest will wait outside. They were canceling it no matter what. They agreed to let the people speak, but because we didn't want to leave, they canceled it entirely. Because you know why? They did their agenda and we were they all in there, but they were to throw us out. Listen, listen, guys. 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 Listen, No one will be allowed to exceed the three-minute time rule. Each person has three minutes to convey their thoughts, and there will be no sharing of minutes. Although we have allowed this in the past, it is truly unfair, and we will no longer allow anyone to speak more than their allotted three minutes. Therefore, no, I am... 
Just as board president, I have the right to to set the time limits. You have the right to sit there and tell us we can't talk. Roxanne, just continue. Just continue. Exactly. Roxanne, okay. just continue. Exactly. I have the floor. We're going to be recessing until we can get the situation under control. This is breaking the fire code. We need to get the fire marshal's opinion, and we need to get some people cleared out of the room. This is a dangerous situation. We are taking a recess. So basically what we thought would happen happened. Uh, we waited an hour and a half quietly, peacefully, and then when it came time for citizens' participation, they lied and came up with something about the fire marshal, which never happened because the communications director told me the reason why they stopped the meeting and asked for everyone to get out was because they heard people raising their voices and they were afraid that they could not control the crowd. So instead of hearing the people, they walked out of the meeting and kicked, the, kicked us all out of the meeting. So that's exactly what happened. And they want to talk about censorship. This is censorship. It's time for them all to go. They do not represent the people. Oh, just beautiful. The people are rising. Do you know, this does my heart good because back in the day when I was fighting the appalling things that we were finding in the books that are in the schools, it seemed like the pedophiles were running the asylum and it was alarming. And when we were sounding this alarm, it was few and far between that dared to stand. And I personally went and visited with Muslim leaders and Sikh leaders here in the greater Vancouver area of Vancouver of, of the lower uh, regional district. And we could not really get engagement a little bit, but everybody, I know, you know, I think we're a little bit timid. We don't want to put ourselves and our group out in front to be called bad names like, ooh, you know, bigots, racists, transphobes, things like that. So we wanted to, you know, kind of try to present a strong front together, but there was all of this fear. And now it seems that it's just gotten so bad that here you've got the Muslims, the Sikhs, the Christians all standing together. And you know what? These are people that have religious beliefs that have certain doctrines and principles of holiness, of propriety, that a free democracy gives you the right to follow your conscience, to follow your religious beliefs, even if you're an atheist. It also gives you the right to be a, um, a gay, lesbian, transsexual, pansexual, whatever that means. But it doesn't give you the right to be a pedophile. A pedophile is somebody who harms children. Pedophiles, they have a way of grooming children. And one of those ways is by over, um, well, let's just say sexualizing children. And we're finding, and my good friend, uh, Laura, has found all these books. She's now over 40 books in a Canadian area of the, the books that are in the Canadian schools 
here in British Columbia, and you can bet it's the same all across your provinces. Some of you out there listening to this, you need to become the next person getting into the libraries and the school rooms of the schools to see what kind of sick, perverted books the teacher and the librarians have allowed into the schools. And when you find those books, you sound the alarm. I listened to uh, a video this morning that we can't show, like my my husband and I just feel sick about it. A, a mother is just reading this book, teaching kids how to have boy-on-boy -boy sex. It's for the grade sevens. It is so graphic and disturbing that I wouldn't, I can't even air that clip. And the mother was irate. You could see she was on the warpath that she had no choice but to put this filth and discussion in front of the school board so that they could hear it for themselves, not hide their head in the sand, and seriously consider whether you want the wrath of Canadian and American parents to be coming out against you or whether you're going to stand against the perversion put in by some kind of, you know, you got to be a wackadoodle. You got to be a nut job to have brought those uh, books into the schools to begin with. What kind of freaks are you? Any teacher that brings in a book that is describing to children any kind of sex act, any kind, is a sicko and a nut job. Has no, no right to be given the position to teach kids. Absolutely disturbing. Moving on. Uh, MSNBC, Jen Psaki having a discussion about not being able to wish Trump voters away, um, and has to live with them. This is what the United States is facing right now. They can't get rid of the Trump voters, those scary people. Right. What, as we look to 2024, because my, my former boss also talked about how one Trump term is one thing, two Trump terms is another totally thing. Totally different thing. Yeah. What should we, what lessons should Americans take from what has happened around the world if there are extended years of a government in place who's fighting against democracy and fighting against fundamental rights of people? What could happen with more years? Yeah, well, so you're right that it's a universal thing. And um, we can talk about Europe has its own cases where in Italy we might have the first far-right prime minister mm -hmm. since Mussolini. And that person will have come to power through elections. Um, or the Sweden Democrats, a party with um, neo-Nazi origins. So it's not just America. It's happening all over the place because... Um, we're not debating economic issues anymore. We're debating cultural issues, identity issues, issues around religion. So I think we have to accept that people who we completely disagree with are sometimes going to win. So there's what, 74 million Trump uh, supporters, voters. We can't just wish them away. They're not going to disappear. Mm -hmm. So then we have to find a way to live with them, even if we think they're bad people, even if we mm -hmm. think they're a threat to everything we hold dear, because what, what's the other option that's in front of us? And that's a challenge because a lot of people will say, well, they're deplorable and we can't find a way to live with them. Michael. Isn't it a little bit ironic, though, that uh, you reference um, Italy, for example? Uh, and so so who are the, the scary, uh, the, the Trump supporters? Uh, so can I tell you, these are people that love God, 
country, and family. That's the kind of people that are so scary. Think about that. Think about how bad this is becoming. That for you to believe in freedom of bodily autonomy and to be in a protest about that, you're deemed some sort of terrorist. Those who love pro-life and think that little babies are worth preserving. And like my guest the other day said right on this show, African-American man, how many more millions of African-American people would be alive if they hadn't simply been discarded through abortion. So the scary Trump people... uh, are the people that don't want the pedophile books. They don't want the tranny uh, book reading hour at the library. They want some principles and they want to be able to raise their families without all this over-sexualizing of them. These are the good people. So the funny thing where Democrats and uh, Republicans are kind of coming together in the United States right now is over the Ukrainian and uh, Russian war that is impending. This this scary thing of like what Mr. Armstrong mentioned today where Biden talks about, you know, Armageddon basically. He throws out a word like that and it's so scary. But the Democrats and, and the Republicans are actually standing up together now And they're going, you're a bunch of war mongers and we don't want that. Why are we involved in this war with stuff that really just doesn't have anything to do with us? You know, I just, it makes me absolutely sick. So there's a lot happening down there. Now, Nancy Pelosi, she's saying that she would like to or will punch Trump out. Now, that's interesting. I thought... Oh, it's from January 6th. Um, and she said it on January 6th? Okay, have a look. And that's what this is all about. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. change. I would come to him and punch him out. I, so I, know. Know. I would pay the fee. I'm waiting for this. For that's kind of violent. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. (laughs) And we would be happy, too, if you would go to jail. That's very violent, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, I thought that you don't want people to be promoting violence, you know, uh, peacefully and and, uh, patriotically, you know, represent your country. Uh, That is uh, a terrible person, but you say you want to punch someone out, and that's all okay. So Jeremy Hunt, new chancellor of the, um, well, he's the minister of finance, arguably the second most powerful job in England, uh, admiring China's totalitarianism. Oh, kind of like our prime minister. Take a look. I very much agree with uh, the central point in Gabriel's paper that we should be aiming for zero infection. Um, and elimination of the disease, because that is basically the approach taken in countries which have a SARS strategy as opposed to a a flu strategy. And those are the countries that have overwhelmingly been the most successful in in tackling coronavirus. Um, And, uh, you know, I just, 
my sister uh, lives in Beijing and she flew back to Beijing in the middle of lockdown. And just to give you an, an idea of the contrast, uh, she was escorted from the airport in Beijing to her home by Ministry of Health officials. Uh, and then uh, put into her home for two weeks quarantine. The door was sealed and uh, she had a police car sitting outside her house uh, periodically. And I'm not saying we go that far in this country, but I just think it's an indication of how serious they are in the countries that have had to deal with SARS about stopping at the root every possible source of infection. <laughs> I mean, is he for real? This is the way that, yeah, you know, th they were so serious about stopping. Like, how are you going to stop the common cold? How are we going to have like no COVID ever? How, how would you ever stop some of the things that, you know, that human beings have to face? Oh, you know, lock them in their homes and don't let them out of their homes. Like what a complete and absolute crazy person. Okay. Really, they've lost their minds. The, the way they talk, it's just so bizarre a world, isn't it? Just so caught up in their own fear, I guess. The fear of COVID has made people really crazy. You know, you can tell who's so fearful. They're still wearing masks everywhere. Um, they're, you know, uh, they're, they jump back from people. They're non, you know, they're, they're not very social anymore. They don't want to shake hands. It's, do the bump if that, like maybe the elbow, like people just have been so overtaken so that this psychosis almost has set in. It's very bizarre. Um, S&P performance through 198. No, we've done that one. Okay, so we're good. My website is laurelen.tv. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to all of you who have been following. Uh, some One of the ladies today said that you haven't seen me for a long time. Well, you know, we're making our way sort of back on YouTube, trying to follow all the rules that they have. But uh, Facebook, I was banned on for 30 days, but I'm back there uh, in two days. So by Monday, I think we're back on Facebook. It's going to be fun. And we'll try to do our best. We, we believe that more and more is going to be able to be talked about in everything that we face because of all the science and the data that is coming out and sooner or later you one thing you cannot hide from is the truth because the truth is like this huge light it's a gigantic light and when it shines into the crevices of deception and lies it absolutely destroys it so we do know that this ain't over till it's over. We are in the fight of our lives. I just thank you, everyone. So many of you, you are battling. You're battling on the civic level. And by the way, I know I sent you something yesterday, JT, and I don't know if you have it for today, but letsvote.ca, I believe that's what it is. If you want to know who to vote for in the uh, British Columbia area, um, just go to letsvote.ca, letsvote.ca. They have listed all of the people that represent your values. We've got to get the sickos and pervs out of our schools, out of our uh, city, you know, city councilors, uh, ships. We, we want to get them all out, start voting for the people that are representing your values. And that is, as we've seen today, that is across all different, um, different ethnicities. Uh, you can really govern well, I think, when you've got people of different, um, you know, coming from different places across the world that have found Canada to be their home. If you all believe in the same 
family values, traditional values. And that does mean respect for people, but children must be protected in any society. And somehow, I mean, it was very exposed a few years back when we found out what was being taught to children against and without the knowledge of parents. Parents, God gives you your children to raise. Take that authority. I don't know why we have given our authority away. We are refusing to say and stand up the way that we should, not showing up at those, uh, you know, the, the, the meetings that they have for school, school board meetings, making your voice heard, not just speaking even to a teacher, everyone out there, you need to be able to let your teachers know that you are not going to have anything that you do not want any of this kind of nonsense taught to your kids. You don't want it. Tell them to, that they will be on notice. Go to Action for Canada, get one of those notice of liabilities, serve it to them. Tell them they're on notice that if you teach my kids perversion, stuff that I am not in line with. If you have any of these books, and I think a whole list of books is being made that you do not want your child seeing, that if you have any of these books, we're going to hold you liable. And because it is against the law to show a child pornography or sexualized content, what is going on? It's absolutely insane. I thank you for supporting this work. Everything that you see here, you will not see on CTEV. CBC or global because they will not put it out there. They, they are compromised and we just, we try to share the truth in the best possible way. And we're here to stand for our nation. We, we don't want to take away anybody else's rights to live your life the way that you want to, because actually we believe in this country that Judeo-Christian values give us the right to live as a godless person. Isn't that shocking? You get the right to be completely godless and have no, you know, standards whatsoever. You can live any way you like because you're in a country that allows for that kind of freedom. That kind of freedom was governed by the word of God and given by the word of God. So we are finding that we're making a lot of enemies, but in all of that, I want to read before I go, first of all, my website, um, if you're able to donate and help us to do what we do, we sure appreciate it. And my email is laurelinlive at protonmail.com. If you can help us, trust me, it absolutely means the world to us when you will support us because it gives us the opportunity to sit here, put things together, bring great guests on and talk about what really matters tell the truth, shame the devil. My mom used to tell me that. So that's what we try to do right here. It means a lot when you help us. Thank you. Uh, so we're going to have to love our enemies. Um, we're going to have to find, um, find a way to get through it. So in Matthew five, I'll read, I'm going to start at verse 38, not just where it talks about your enemies, but an eye for an eye. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And I contrast this with 
God's desire that we be very loving and that we retain peace in as much as is possible. But let's remember the side of the Lord Jesus who was willing to confront the Pharisees, to confront those in leadership in the land, and to call to account their hypocrisy, sometimes even taking a whip and shutting down their sale of sacrifices outside of the church. You know, when he, he just turned the tables upside down. So I find myself trying to walk that line of being very, very loving, especially to those that I encounter, those who might be searching for the truth, those who need to know the truth and they need to be able to hear it from me. So I need to communicate it in a loving way. And in verse uh, 43 here, it says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? But if you love those who have hurt you, he's saying, how much more is your heavenly father pleased with that? And so I think it's very important in this day and age where we are being um, goaded into feelings of wrath, anger, uh, the the temperature is rising in our country. When we see all this evil, we're angry. People want to respond and that's okay. But when you do it, remember these principles that God wants you to love your enemies. But the word of God says this, speak the truth in love. It also says this, expose the evil works of darkness. None of this being kind, overlooking things in as much as you can. None of that means that you remain silence, silent in the face of evil. None of that means that we do not take our place and our stand. I love being here with you. Thank you for being here with me. God bless. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.